0: A few years ago, we released an episode about love and technology. It told the story of a couple, Rami and Marinka.
1: And it was actually my first story for Kerning Cultures.
0: That's Alex, Casey's managing producer.
1: And since we released that episode, we've been getting emails from you, our listeners, asking what happened next. So today we're going to bring you that update. About a month ago, I got on the phone to Rami and he caught me up on all their news over the last two years. But for those of you who haven't heard the original story, um, and I feel like there might be a few of you, we're gonna take you right back to the beginning to the story we made in 2016. If you've heard it before and wanna jump ahead to 2018, Rami, skip your players forward to about the 19th minute.
0: Otherwise, today, a story about love and technology. I'm Hibba Fisher, and you're listening to Kerning Cultures, radio documentaries from the Middle East
1: predictable, they've seen
0: happen. And one story that always kind of captures my imagination: in the streets, lost culture. <laughs> and you're listening to Kerning Cultures. So let me set the scene. Rami lives in Lebanon. He's 19, goes to school, goes out partying with his friends, and is often online. That is when there was internet, because where he lived in Lebanon in 2005, the internet was really slow. It was basically dial-up.
1: And so he's on MSN one day, and you know sometimes you'd get friend requests from total strangers. That was kind of how it worked.
2: And uh, one day I get uh, this uh, email request, like as a friend to somebody who wants to add me, and um, and I still remember the email it was like sports life. <laughs> At hotmail.com. Something. That was your email address. Yeah. Yes. yeah, so I accepted and then the name pops up, Natasha.
1: It's Natasha, whose real name is Marinka. Marinka? Yeah, so Natasha was the screen name she used to avoid weirdos if, if she needed to.
2: And i um, like, oh, hi, how are you? you know, I we speak, I believe, for like maybe 10, 15 minutes.
1: They spoke for 10 or 15 minutes, but ultimately it didn't really go anywhere.
2: Then I, I remember that I deleted the contact.
1: It wasn't love at first sight or, or chat or whatever. But I really like this idea that that evening, as they clicked the, the tiny X button in the right-hand corner of their chat window, Rami in Beirut and Marinka in a small village outside of Rotterdam, 2,000 miles apart. They had no idea they'd just met the person that they'd marry.
2: Literally around a year later, I started university in Lebanon, and um, I just needed to have a much more professional email.
1: So he gets a new email address, imports all of his old contacts, and a couple of days later...
2: Something just comes online, and like suddenly I see Natasha. And like, huh, this girl last year?
1: Okay.
2: Hi. Hi. How are you? So she was still Natasha for like <laughs> two weeks or so.
1: So Marinka, as you just heard, had two accounts, and by total chance, really, at the same time, Rami imported all of his old contacts from his old account to his new email. Marinka logged on to her second account just to check it out.
3: I don't know even why I opened the Natasha, uh, the sport life one. And then, yeah, we just started talking and it it clicked in some, I found it very interesting because he was from Lebanon. I didn't know anything about that country. It was just, it it felt really natural. And it was more or less like, hi, how are you? How was your day? How was school? Uh, What did you do with your friends? Or um, did you go to sports today? And um, yeah, just very innocent stuff.
0: So they, they talk, and they talk, and eventually half an hour becomes one hour, one hour, four hours, and often in a day they'd speak for ten hours at a time. It was, it was what their lives grew into.
2: I was always happy and excited when I talked to someone from somewhere else because I wanted to know more about them, and I wanted them to know more about me and where I come from, because she didn't know. She called me Lebanese. <laughs> Lebanese wasn't even on the (laughs) subject, (laughs) even at a young age when you just wanted to have an honest and innocent relationship because yeah young people you know want to have a girlfriend you want to go out it was all bound by sorry we can't be together because you have a different religion at the age of 14 and 15 my parents will not allow me my brother will not allow me and for for you you're just at this age where all you want to do is you know to have someone to talk to that's why when we talked and talked and talked I kept seeing a person that is only looking at me, and none of these things mattered to them.
1: Little by little, their, their relationship grew, and about three weeks in, they started sharing photos. Eventually, Rami would turn on his webcam, and a little while later, Marinka felt comfortable turning hers on.
3: Yeah, I think you asked me at yeah. some point, do
4: you want to be my girlfriend? Yeah,
2: I would even say right off the bat, like, I fell in love with her
4: but were they ever concerned about who the other person really was? I mean, that's a lot of trust to put in someone you've never met in real life, you know?
3: Yeah, no, it's, it's true. But on the other side as well, if he was something different that he said he was, I would have just closed my computer and delete my Amazon account or not contact him again.
1: So for the next three months, uh, the two of them talked all the time, grabbing moments wherever they could.
2: My friends would go out, do certain things, and I would just stay home on the computer because I had better stuff to do, Honest, They would just be like, you know, we're going to go play pool. So I was like, it's weekend, so we can talk all night. So I'm not going out.
0: But the relationship wasn't easy. All of this was happening around the summer of 2006, against the backdrop of the Lebanon-Israeli War, a war which lasted 34 days, but had a huge effect, displacing around 25% of the Lebanese population and killing 1,300.
2: It was thirty-four days uh, alone with my mom in Lebanon, and both my father and my brother were stuck outside the country. And uh, we would have around two hours of electricity a day, something like this. And any opportunity to have internet, fifty-six KB was like the internet, which is, you know, Lebanon. We're not going to say more. Almost dial-up, and <laughs> and that would be a problem. I would disconnect every twenty minutes. I would go on the rooftops. In order to get better connection, I would have to remove three or four internet from my my friends in the building <laughs> because it was late at night. Sometimes we're talking at 12 and I'm like, okay, they're asleep. I just go <laughs> up the, you know, I just remove three, four connections and I would just have all the bandwidth for myself and the electricity would go away
1: and then...
3: Like, he gave me a missed call, and then I know he was thinking about me, or, you know, he gave me two miss calls, and then he was like, I'm waiting at the computer, stuff like that.
1: <laughs> the war ended in September, when the UN negotiated a ceasefire between Israel and, and Lebanon. And for Rami and Marinka, this meant that they could start looking at ways to finally meet in person. Uh, Marinka's parents were hesitant to let her fly out to Lebanon, and Rami's Lebanese passport meant it was difficult for him to get a visa to fly to Europe.
2: So, after the war was done, like, we knew how bad the situation is. And yeah, once you get rejected, if you apply to go to Europe, you need to wait a minimum of six months, regardless of any of the EU or the Schengen countries.
1: Was this only for a tourism visa? Or was yeah,
2: tourism? yeah tourism visa.
3: Really? Yeah. They didn't issue it because of the, yeah, what was happening. They were
2: afraid that I would go and I would stay there. Yeah.
1: Their options were thin. They needed somewhere safe, somewhere that Rami wouldn't have a problem getting a visa for. And that was Cyprus.
4: Hang on, hang on, hang on. How old are they at this point?
1: So Rami's 20, and when they first started talking, Marinka told Rami she was 18, but that wasn't true. (laughs) And after they'd been talking a little while, she, she said she had something to tell him, and that was that she was 16, not 18.
4: 20 okay but 16 marinka's parents are just like okay i'll just let my child go off to another country to meet the stranger she met on the internet i mean did her parents even know about him my parents would never have let me do that
1: <laughs> uh, no his parents knew and her parents knew rami had met marinka's parents on on webcam a few times and marinka's parents actually went with them to cyprus
3: i was quite not really a rebel but i had the strong Personality and a strong mind, so I they were really afraid that I would book a ticket to Lebanon and just go and saw him. So that was one of the reasons as well. They said, Okay, listen, they knew that I was talking to him and that I was in love and everything, and then they were like, Okay, it's just make a decision with the family and just let's meet together then under our supervision in Cyprus yeah. so at least it's a safe environment and we will not have you alone with him yeah. <laughs> like yeah, yeah. in the first time because at the end of the day you know they are friends and they want to um, protect me yeah
1: I mean, that's yeah. totally understandable. Yeah. it's really cool of your parents
0: that oh definitely
3: yeah and especially in that time but they had something like yeah it's modern worlds why can't you not meet
0: so so it was all settled. After 10 months of chatting, they booked their tickets and planned to meet in person for the first time on Valentine's Day in Cyprus. I mean, if I have been talking to this guy online for 10 months straight
4: and fell in love with him, have never met him, but I was talking to him for 10 hours every day, I can't imagine what those feelings must have been like flying over to Cyprus from Holland.
3: Like, I had a conversation with my parents, they were like, oh, how would he look like, and
0: you know, (laughs) what kind of person would he be, how tall would he be, like, you know. So the plan was for the two to meet on Valentine's Day, but Rami decides to surprise Marenka and lands in Cyprus a day earlier.
2: I had a friend living there who drove me from the airport. It, It was a totally new country for me, and I didn't care, I didn't look anywhere. I arrived and started going down, like, okay, apartment, I knew which apartment the number was.
0: At this point, Marinka is already at the villa that her parents had rented for all of them to spend the week together.
2: And I arrived from the back, her parents saw me I put my bags, we sit, I say hi to them.
1: (laughs) And at this point Marinka still had no idea Rami was in the country.
3: And then my parents went in the house and I saw loads and loads of street cats and I'm totally crazy about cats. So I was literally sitting on the ground playing with the cats. So he had already some time to meet my parents and to talk to them. So I think they were talking for like an hour or so and I was still
0: sitting outside playing with cats. Marinka's mom started to call Marinka into the house.
3: I'm like, no, no, no. It's my holiday as well. I'm playing with the cats. He's like, come inside. I was like, no, I don't want to. I'm playing with the cats. (laughs) So then suddenly I heard like, okay, I will come outside then. And there he was.
2: It's like everything we envisioned it it would be.
3: It was exactly the way how I thought and how we spoke.
2: It was missing the touch and the touch just completed it all. So, yeah, everything fell into place. We wouldn't leave each other's side. I think we were like hugging or holding each other's hands like the (laughs) whole time. In the car, in the restaurants. And we had wonderful seven days together.
1: But it was only seven days, and Rami put it like this from the moment they met, it was like a countdown had started. And when the week was up, it would be back to uncertainty. With everything that was going on in Lebanon and the visa restrictions, they just didn't know when they'd see each other again.
3: Yeah. So I remember the way back, I, I think I cried from Cyprus airport until I landed in Amsterdam. Like, I literally cried the whole way. Like, I remember the stewards coming to me, like, oh, Are you right? So I was like, yeah, yeah. Sure. <laughs>
1: So you can imagine how how hard it must have been. And, And I actually think this is the most crucial part of the story. They'd had this intense online friendship that turned into a relationship, that turned into this week spent together in Cyprus. But I imagine when they got back home, there was this cold reality to deal with, like, okay, that was fun, but is this something I really want to pursue? And am I willing to live this really inconvenient lifestyle for the next few years until we can find something more permanent?
0: And keep in mind, they're still super young. At this point, Rami is 21, Marinka is 17, but the answer for both of them to these questions were, yes. Over the next year, they made it work. Rami planned a trip to Paris with his swimming team. That got him an European visa for a few days. And then that summer, Marinka's parents let her visit him in Beirut for two months.
1: So Rami started a university exchange that would let him study in Rotterdam. Um, he'd already finished a year and a half at the American University of Beirut. But by moving to Holland, it meant he had to start everything again from scratch. Eventually, by the end of August 2008, everything was arranged for him to move on a student visa to Holland.
2: When I arrived there, I went there only with summer clothes. You know, I'm going from Lebanon. It
3: was <laughs> August. <That's> so cool.
1: <laughs> Aside from the weather and just the culture shock in general, moving to Holland presented a new set of issues for Rami. He was paying five times what domestic students paid to study, and under visa restrictions, wasn't allowed to work. For the first three months, he didn't have a proper place to live, so he was just crashing on friends' couches during the week, and him and Marinka would go home to her parents at weekends.
2: Money-wise was tough. I was every two to three weeks I was a guy, you know, with my backpack, sleeping at friends that I just met in college. So it was couches in a in a 12 uh, meter square rooms where I sleep on the floor. Sometimes literally just a pillow on the floor.
0: And although they settled into their new life together, finally in the same city, it was like everything was just a little bit harder for Rami while he completed his studies. Although he was in Europe legally, it was like it could have been taken away from him at any moment.
2: My first year of education, which is a condition in Holland that you have to pass your credits in order to continue. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you'll be sent back. So even then it was still the same logic at the back of your head. I have to do this or I'm out. Every day I would think about the whole thing as like it can come to an end, you know, and not come to an end. Me and her, it's just like me being there, right? Or close to her. And that would just give me, you know,
1: you don't need more motivation to study hard. So after graduation, they decide to get married.
2: And uh, I'm like, so when are we just gonna do it? <laughs> <laughs> so we did it uh, on the 4th of Jan, 2012. We, we signed those papers. The guy asked me, how do you say I do in Arabic? And then he asked me that in Arabic. Oh, okay. It was, the pastor Yeah, the pasta. it was really cozy, it was really small.
1: But after graduation, there was no way for Rami to stay in Holland legally unless he had a job.
0: Wait, why not? They're already married. Kind of complicated. So let me see if I can break it down. So he can't stay in Holland as a foreigner unless he has a steady contract. And Marinka can't sponsor him as her foreign husband unless she has a steady contract. And it was really hard for Rami to apply for a Dutch passport.
2: After my graduation, I found a job um, because in the town where we lived, everybody knew me. Everybody knew what what we were doing uh, eventually after five years together and um the the owner of a supermarket approached her parents is like if rami is sitting around and he really is anxious i mean he can make some pocket money and at the same time he can you know you know just go out of the house a couple of hours a day and work so i said right away yes uh worked for six months in a supermarket knowing that I have a master's degree and a bachelor's degree from the top university in the country. I was cleaning the floor, refilling the, you know, the fridge. with. I was just any, any guy that you find in the supermarket. It wasn't bad. Uh, I wasn't shy of it. I was very proud of it. It helped me learn the language.
1: Working in the supermarket, he was still interviewing and looking for a more permanent position. After a few months without luck, the two decided that Dubai was a happy middle ground that they could both come to. But even here in Dubai, your visa is tied to your job. And without a job, you can't live here as a foreigner.
2: If that doesn't work out, I would have to go to Lebanon. I mean, she can definitely come and live with me. Yeah. But that's not a place that we want to start family, have kids. And I know that many of the things that happen just happen on the news Mm. or, you know, will not affect me personally. But I don't want them to have the instability that I had. I don't have... The passport that allows me if she goes tomorrow to Holland, I cannot be with her on a permanent basis, mm-hmm. and that scares me.
3: The thing is just as well if if God forbid something happens here, you know I, we lose our jobs or something, we have to go our separate ways because for me to keep him in Holland, I have to have a job and a steady contract and a minimum income, and just to get that in a financial crisis at the moment in what's happening in Holland, it's difficult.
4: That's crazy, because where can they have a sense of certainty in this world? I mean, it's not Holland, where she's from. It's not Lebanon, where he's from. It's not Dubai, where they're currently residing, because their residency is tied to their work contract. So where can they be?
1: I don't think they know. Um, After all these years, they're still figuring that out.
3: The thing is, we do respect more that we can be together and that we are together and that we are living together. So we do really respect that because of course of the struggles we had before. So you really do appreciate the fact that we made it together.
1: So this thing of being physically together, most couples take for granted because most couples meet in person. But when you haven't had that for so long, for Rami and Marinka, that's something that they really cherish. The fact that they can just be together in person.
2: For example, this morning, when it's our first day off, We were awake at 7, and our breakfast is just to have coffee, sit together and talk, you know? And this never ends. This is exactly what we do. To us, this matters the most.
0: I think what I love so much about the story is it kind of renews your faith in humanity a little bit. Like, it's just the Internet is so... It it can be so misused in so many situations, but here it's just... it, it, It produced something really beautiful.
1: Yeah, I like the idea. I like the idea of living in a world where things like this can happen because you're not reminded of it every day.
4: Have they ever thought about this, that if and when they have kids, if their kids ever go through the same kind of online dating experience, would they allow
0: them to to do it? So we asked them this when, when they start to have children and their their daughter grows up to be 16, and she's chatting online to a stranger who is living in a war zone across the seas, would they let that relationship continue?
3: (laughs) That is a really good question, Um, I honestly have no idea, I mean you do hear scary stories of course and it doesn't work out all the time, like it worked out for us, Um, yeah there's gonna be some really decent background checks on that part probably, (laughs) but yeah. I don't know, what do you think?
2: It, it's, um, it's unfair to answer that question because <laughs> you don't know. You want to give people the same opportunity that you had. I'll be there all the way supporting, but I will be there to make sure that if, um, that, that I have done my job to protect my daughter. I'll definitely be protective, yeah. but I will also, from my own experience, know that a lot of good can also sometimes come from far away.
1: So last time we spoke with Rami and Marinka it was 2016. Fast forward to today, 2018, and after years of just trying to find somewhere where the two of them could feel settled, we wanted to know where they are now. So back in June, I called Rami for an update. Hello! Rami! Hi Alex! How are you doing? I'm doing good. Last time we interviewed these two, they were they were still trying to figure out where they could live together. Dubai was a sort of stopgap, but where they really wanted to live was in the Netherlands, where Marinka's from. So they applied for residency, but. I I seem to remember you you were rejected for Dutch citizenship.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when uh, I was in the process, and then um, I was sent three different at three different times, three different letters were stating again that they had their doubts about my relationship with Marinka and that the time we're together was not sufficient they told us, Rami, the reason you got rejected according to the government, and they were very strict about it, is that you couldn't prove that you are together for the last three years.
1: Which of course, at this point, they'd been together for over 10 years. So they waited a few months and then they tried again. They put their papers in and they just waited.
2: So I'm at work, right, I'm working in the office and I put my phone on silent. But I have the number of the consulate saved so I can I saw there's a missed call, and um, my first my first reaction was like, oh no crap, um, they're probably calling me to tell me that they need more documents because I gave up hope, you know? In, in two minutes I got a call from the case officer that was uh, handling my case, and she asked me if I was sitting down. And uh, just thinking about it now, it's, it all brings crazy memories, because I was like, okay, it sounds really good, but tell me what's going on, It's like, congratulations. So I was overwhelmed by, by that, that I couldn't talk to her because I was crying because it was so emotional. And uh, I took myself into a private room in the office and I just like tried to grasp what's happening because I knew this is gonna change our lives.
1: After all these years of living between places and trying to figure out where in the world they could just like be together. The Netherlands had pulled through for them.
2: We had a Dutch couple living in Dubai we were really close friends with. So I called him and I said, this is the news. So he was equally happy and crying because he knew the whole story <laughs> and uh, we prepared for the same evening to surprise both my wife and his girlfriend to 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 together to celebrate this wonderful news. The lady sent me a scan of of the king's uh, signature, telling me that this is approved, etc. And so I laminated the, the 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 document and I took it with us. And we we ordered some Chinese, you know, in Dubai. Just order some takeaway. So I ran to the door to pay, and I put the the document with the with the bag. And then when they were opening the bag, it took Marinka and took the other girl like a minute to read to understand what's going on. And then they freaked out, started crying, and then it was yeah. It was uh, it was a crazy moment to be honest. But the thing is, you know, we've been we've been preparing for this. The only thing which was, was literally this piece of paper that would put all the other pieces. So we worked hard. We 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 always looked for the future. We always thought about later. We didn't always think only about today. And that's basically how we lived in Dubai. Yes, we enjoyed our life, but you you know, you met us, we lived in a studio, we didn't spread our legs more than what we need. To us, it felt natural, it felt like, we you know, this is what we want to do, it's, we're just ready for it.
1: So in September 2017, they left Dubai for good. And the place they'd moved to in the Netherlands, it it literally couldn't be any more different from Dubai.
2: So the fun part is, Uh, We we live in the south of Holland. Uh, We live almost uh, in a small uh, town, about 20,000 inhabitants here. It's like around 10, 15 minutes actually by bike from the border of Belgium. And um, it's really like your traditional farming kind of town. And where we live, we live in a a standalone house with a nice garden here in the woods. It's... uh, Completely hand built by Marinka's father. He he built it from scratch with his father. Wow! But the the main thing is that it's literally in the middle of the forest. So you have to take uh, almost a five hundred meter drive by the car from the main road in order to get to the house. For me personally, this is like this is everything I dream about.
1: So um, so you you have a son now, yeah? yeah can you can i mean this is this is a big question but can you kind of like begin to describe how it feels to 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 be a dad
2: well um let me put it this way my first experience that i'm i'm gonna be a parent was watching marinka you know watching her belly grow over times like you know you know that it's coming closer and closer and most importantly that together we we went through the whole labor as well it was such a such a crazy moment seeing your son literally seeing the world for the first time hmm. and at the same time knowing that this is it now you're a father and you ha- your your life is no longer yours so to speak it's everything is about him it feels uh, it, it, it your your life has a different meaning right now and that's very true i mean you You know you have a responsibility to take care of him, to provide for him, to be next to him. And that was also something for me as an individual. Uh, My parents worked in the airlines. So when I grew up, I grew up with other family members taking care of me. I didn't see my parents as much, and I always missed that part. So I said to myself, I will never do this to my kid. I want to be there every step of the way and um, I enjoy it. I, I enjoy changing his diapers, believe it or not. I dreaded this so bad, I dreaded it and then you will do it in a heartbeat because it comes so natural, even if you knew nothing.
0: Hmm.
1: Do, you, um, do you feel kind of more, do you feel better about being a parent in the Netherlands than you maybe would have in Dubai? Like there's maybe a sense of um, being settled now, um, or are you kind of still considering the, the, the idea of moving elsewhere?
2: He, here, so to speak, now I'm living in my own country, right? Lebanon is my country, but now the Netherlands is my country. So I don't have to fear being away from him. I don't have to fear being, okay, I might lose a job, but I don't have to lose the country and lose being next to my kid uh, or or having to go through uh, one, two, three weeks or one month of crazy time where we have to relocate something happened. That in Dubai was the sense of insecurity that we had. So this is why I think it's all for the better what we did.
1: The thing I always loved about this story is just—it's just like how much of it relied on total chance. If Marinka hadn't added a random email address to her MSN and started speaking to a total stranger on the other side of the world, they'd have never met. And really, when you think about it, what are the chances of that even happening? I was—I was kind of mulling all of this over to Rami on our phone call, and he said, "Yeah, like it's still—it's still something he thinks about."
2: That's actually a very same question that Marinka very like almost every now and then we look at each other we're walking or we're doing something and then we just you know reality hits us and then she's like have you would you have ever thought that you would be having this beautiful baby and doing one two three with me would you have like no i would have never thought that i could eventually fulfill my dream in in living with marinka here and actually starting a family Every single one of us have, have a different journey. Every single one of us doesn't know what tomorrow will bring, which people we will meet, how these people influence our lives. And the point I'm trying to make is that, yes, there are a lot of bad, but there are also a lot of good. And if everyone is given the opportunity, like, or if everybody would just believe in the humanity of others, um, then a lot of good things can happen.
1: Um, What are you guys getting up to this evening?
2: Um, Well, we had uh, basically, that's uh, you, sir, were our uh, last appointment. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're just going to watch something together and uh, try to see catch up on some series. I mean, here it's already 8 o'clock, so here the sun doesn't set until around 10 o'clock. So there's plenty of just relaxing a bit and then picking up tomorrow on the on the job hunt again.
1: <laughs> well, good luck with it. I hope I hope something comes through soon, and I'm, I'm sure it will. Hopefully, inshallah. <laughs> Thanks a lot, remy Take care. Cheers, cheers, Speak Alex. Soon. Have a lovely evening. You cheers. too. Bye. Bye bye. This episode was produced by me, Alex Atak, and the original story, "Love in 56 KB," was produced by Hiba Fisher and Rosan Alziani, with sound design by Ramsey Bashour. Thank you again to Rami and Marinka for sharing their story with us.